You are listening to Shifting Schools, episode 234. All right, welcome back to another Shifting Schools. We've got a really special episode, something a little bit different than what you're probably used to listening to here at Shifting Schools. It's not the first time we've done episodes like this, but it's been a while, Trisha, since we've had a panel discussion. And the way that we do panels, because it's very hard uh, to get everybody to be on the same time across time zones and things. So, but you know what? We have technology. And so people can send in audio files or we can have scripts that we read from others. And so we've got a great panel discussion today all around this idea of social media in schools, uh, where we're going to get to hear from from different school leaders, different school communication departments, and from Trisha and I as well. And Trisha, where did this idea actually come from? Why are we focused on this right now? Jeff, you know, the thing that's interesting is for an episode that is focusing on social media, it's a little bit like meta because this was born and produced from social media as well. We had a request from a valued listener and newsletter subscriber, just like some of you out there, who reached out and let us know they were wondering, like, what is the point of schools leaning into social media? What's the point of a communications team? What's the value really of social media telling the story of a school? We think there is so much to learn from professionals in the social media space. That's why, again, we're curating this mini series all about things social. So when we had that request, we actually put a call out on social media Hey, you know, do you think that your school is doing a great job with its social media? Let us know. And that's how we went about sourcing the folks who you will hear from on today's panel. Yeah. And I, I, again, it's meta, right? Like this is, this is the power of social media. This is why I believe schools should be using social media. I started writing about schools having a social media manager in 2010, Think about that for a second. This isn't something that schools have been have been thinking about just for a, a moment. This has been around for a while. This idea of having someone at your school in your communication department who is focused and understands social media. If you want to, you could go over to my blog. I don't usually talk about my blog, which uh, is probably the most popular thing that I have, thethinkingstick.com, if you haven't been over there. And if you do a search for social media manager, you're going to find all kinds of posts. Uh, I've been supporting schools and administrations with this for over 10 years now, talking about the importance of telling your story. And Trisha, here's what we're going to hear today, and it comes through loud and clear. Social media was one of those things that schools kind of shied away from pre-pandemic. We kind of played around the edges. We, we thought about what, what could we do? How do we do it? Do we really want to engage in there? But there's so much negative stuff. But here's the problem. If you don't control the narrative about your school and social spaces, you give up the power and allow someone else to tell your story. And the last thing you want as a school is someone else to tell the story of your school. You don't want your parent community getting all riled up on Facebook and telling the story about your district. You have to control that narrative. And pre the pandemic, school districts were kind of dabbling around the edges. Nobody was really taking control. But during the pandemic, we leaned on it. We learned to use it. In cases, in what you're going to hear today, you're going to hear these schools that said, this was, it became the hallway of our school. I love that in one of our interviews today. It became the hallway of our school. Social media became that important. And schools really started to dig into it. And I think that's where we are at right now, is we are finally, as educational institutions, taking social media 
And it's not, it, it no longer is it, oh, you're a principal of an elementary school. Should you have a Twitter account? No, you need to have a Twitter account. <laughs> That's it, period. If you're a middle school or high school principal, you need to be on Instagram. Done. Uh, we shouldn't. Even, it should just be part of your job description that twice a week you're posting on social media. I do get a little heated about this stuff because it's so important for schools. It's so important for schools. I have seen schools who have passed levies because of their social media campaigns. I've seen schools who have not passed levies because they didn't control the narrative on social media. This goes beyond just telling stories in our classrooms and our schools. This talks about engaging your community, community who is voting on whether or not your technology levy goes through, whether or not you're going to be able to hire more people because you need to control the narrative. That's why social media is important for better or for worse. It is where people get their news. And if you're not out there as a district, if you're not out there as a school leader, you're not controlling the narrative. And when you give it up, you allow other people to tell it as well. That's why this is so important. And I'm so excited that after the pandemic, we have finally taken social media and now we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to use it? How can I use it to the best of its ability? Because that's really what this is about. And Trisha, we are here to support them. Do you want to talk about some of the free guides that we have that support schools and starting to go down this path? Absolutely. And Jeff, you know, that's why we're, we're so grateful that folks on our social media were able to point us to some incredible experts, folks, as you were saying, Jeff, that have been working. This is their career. This is their profession. So it's not, you know, they're not just on social media. These are folks who understand the strategy behind it and also understand the pace, right? Mm. It's not just about understanding one app, but knowing that it's going to grow, that different messages work differently in different spaces. Um, so they'll speak to that because for me, the other side of this is realizing that if you're an ELA teacher, if your students are interested in creative writing, this is a very real job career pathway. So it's also a joy to be able to sort of bring in some of the voices to talk about what they do, why they enjoy doing it. So listeners, it might be worth reminding you that we also have a free guide related to today's conversation. When you head over to shiftingschools.com, you can click free guides. We have over 60 free guides there. So scroll down just a bit and you will find a free guide that is entitled what can schools learn from social media campaigns? And that guide has ready-to-roll resources that are meant to help you think more about the genius behind some social media campaigns. How might you use some of that wisdom to launch a new unit? You know, when a musician or a band has an album that's about to drop, there's a whole campaign around that. A new YA book is coming out. There's a whole social media campaign around that. How might you take some of the strategy and techniques from that to really build up interest for a unit or for an upcoming school event. If you use that free guide, we would absolutely love to hear from you so you can check out the show notes for ways to reach us and let us know how um, what you took away from that free guide. And it's, it's a great free guide that we can use in multiple different ways, right? You can use it as a school leader to think about and reflect on your own social campaigns. But what I love even more, and I think this gets to today's shifted thought, is if you use that, and let's say you are a middle school or high school teacher, what if you use that free guide, what can school schools learn from social media campaigns? What if you brought that into your ELA class in high school 
and were able to look at your own high school social media campaign through the eyes of a 10th and 11th grader and give feedback to the communication department. Trisha, the power of empowering our kids who live in these spaces to be a part of the school's message. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, and I think for folks who teach math, using your social media, you know, your school's social media, look at the metrics, see if your, uh, you know, your social media coordinator will share some of that data with you. Make a prediction. What's the next milestone in followers that your school is aiming for? When might you reach that prediction based on the data that your social media coordinator is looking at right now? If you teach music, what about students creating audio clips that can be used in some of the video that goes out? I love out? that. I love that. You know, especially a music teacher to say, hey, you know, especially let's just talk about TikTok, all about audio right now. I mean, as much as it's about the dancing in the video, TikTok's really about the audio and you can upload your own created audio for your school. Maybe you're a band teacher and your kids could play part of the uh, fight song for your school. What would that do? You start thinking about ways that you could, you know, have students interact with this stuff uh, in a world that they are. And what does that do to your campaign message when your students become involved in helping you create it as well? As we get ready to launch this episode, there are three things we really want you to listen into today. Trisha, do you want to get us started? What's the first thing that we really want listeners to be listening about today? Yes. Again, thank you so much to our panel who took the time to share their expertise. Um, one of the big takeaways is really sitting with this question. How might social media amplify belonging and inclusion for a school? You're going to hear the experts again talk about how it is that they are doing that. Yeah. And I think the second thing to be to be looking at and me thinking about as you're listening to today's episode is where is social media going and what do we learn by looking back at some of our school's most memorable posts? And I like this because this really ties into last week's episode with Andrea Jones that talks about being authentic. And when you are reflective and you start looking back at what post became the most memorable, what authenticity was in those posts that you could use to, to move forward? And I think that's, a again, just being very reflective in, in the posts that we do. Uh, Trisha, do you want to talk a little bit about like here at Shifting Schools, you run all of our social media campaigns. Thank you very much, by the way. Do you want to talk about how are you reflective in that? Like when you launch a campaign through Twitter or you launch a campaign on Instagram, what are you looking for? How do you decide what to post? I, I hate to put you on the spot, but this is what we're going to do No, that's today. fine. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're always looking for what's resonating with our audience. It's that empathy piece, Jeff. And that came up on last week's episode with Andrea Jones, that that has to be the strategy. What is it that your audience is looking for? And for us, you know, we're very fortunate that we hear from fellow educators all the time about some of the free content and the resources that are useful for them. And we, you know, Jeff, you and I have been in education for a long time, and we know that time is always uh, a resource that we would love to have more of. So we're always trying to provide resources that are going to save some of that time and energy. So I, I think that's the piece is listening for what's resonating, listening for what our audience wants more of. And, you know, listeners, I know that we say it all the time on the podcast. If you have a request, reach out. And that's why, um, because uh, your feedback is so very important to us. 
Yeah, and that feedback helps our campaign. A lot of times we've taken the feedback and then we're like, oh, look, here's a feedback around social media or somebody would like, we could do a whole series. We can go out and we'll find Andrea Jones from last week uh, and the Savvy Social Media Podcast. We reach out to people like we can, we can help gather that information if we know what people want. And that by itself is part of the social media campaign is when people reach out, all of a sudden you find there's a need, you can be empathetic to that need. And then you go out and you try to support teachers the best you can with that need. The other thing real quick before we go is there's a lot of talk in social media around the timing of releasing posts. It's something like the lifespan of a tweet. And I don't know, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something stupid like 10 seconds or 15 seconds or something like that. As you have constantly been playing with here at Sol- here at Shifting Schools, you're constantly playing with the time that different things drop. Have you, as you look at the analytics behind uh, Shifting Schools, have you noticed engagement based on time? Now, our audience is teachers, right? And so educators or school principals, you need to be thinking about who's your audience. When might they be picking up the phone to do a scroll? But what have you kind of found here at Shifting Schools on, on timing as far as our target audience of educators? What I find is that so much of it is seasonal, Jeff. So, you know, that that's the other piece is that um, just being aware of what's happening in the year for an educator and how do you need to constantly make adjustments. Um, and so, again, that's why I'm so happy that we have some fellow experts talking about this because it's not as though you put together the post you share it, job done. You have to constantly be thinking about what's working, what could be tweaked, what do you need to experiment with. Um, and often, you know, we might share the same resource through our Shifting Schools social media, and it might be three times before all of a sudden, whoa, it gets five retweets or it gets picked up. Um, and I think that's the reality too, right, is um, you have to keep trying, you have to keep experimenting, and you have to keep being willing to adjust because what may have worked on social media a year ago or even three months ago is maybe what's not exactly relevant right Mm. now. And I think the other thing to be thinking about, and again, I think this goes back to that empathy piece as well, is there's been times where Tricia, you and I have had conversations to be like, it's the last week of school. The last thing teachers want is another tweet from us. And there's been times where we've just said, you know what, this isn't the week for it. And we'll, we'll, we'll shut it down for a week. We'll, we'll, for whatever, whatever the reason is that comes up, uh, you know, as we get close to the winter, winter break, there will be a a lot of things that come out maybe two or three weeks before, but then we kind of shut it down. I mean, not that we're going to shut it down completely, but we back way off because we want educators to disconnect. We want educators to be staying off their social media accounts and reconnecting with family and taking that breath. And I think that's part of it is at the same time is if you are a school leader thinking about what is going on in your community, when is it time to put your, your foot on the pedal and, and actually like really get things fired up? And when might there be things going on in your community that it's time to just back off, you know, let parents have a second uh, and, and be thinking about that as well. I mean, you know, your community and every community is different in the way that they, they celebrate different things and, and different things that are happening in that community. But being engaged in that, I think is also really important as well. Yep. And I would say again, valuing every single person who comes to you with some feedback. We really do try to do that earnestly with our social media. Um, and so I think that's important as well. And so the third thing to be listening for in today's episode is this idea of when we look back at social media feeds from our schools, 
how do we gain insight into the education, how education is shifting? And this is something that I, I did with school leaders. This is pre-pandemic. Again, we're talking 2015 to 19-ish, is when I sat down with superintendents um, and school leaders, one of the first things I would have them do is I would have them go to their social media account or go to a social media and log out of their accounts, their school accounts, and then search for their school as if they were a new student. And I think this is critical for for every school leader, for every school district, for every communication director. Go to YouTube, type in, you know, my high school. I'll use my high school's example, Central Valley High School. If I go to YouTube and I type in Central Valley High School, which there's a lot of them, so I would add Spokane, Washington. What comes up? My high school, when you go there, I would think if I was incoming student, all they care about is football because that's all you find on YouTube. You don't find any of the performances. You don't find any of the marching band. You find football. What what does that say to an incoming student or an incoming parent? Do the same thing on Facebook. Don't go to your group or your page. Go to Facebook, type in the name of your school in the search box, what comes up. And you can do that for every social media. And it's very fascinating about who's, who's directing that message, what is coming out there. I was doing this one time with some school leaders and I had a high school principal who said, if I went to YouTube, all that you would think happens at our school are fights because students were uploading fights that were happening in the hallway and tagging the school on YouTube. And here are all the fights that have happened in the hallways over the last three years. That's what his school was being represented on in YouTube. And we don't always think about YouTube as a social media account. I think that's one that a lot of times gets missed, but it is so powerful. The way you can go live now, it has shorts, much like TikTok uh, or reels like, like Instagram. And I think that's a spot where, you know, parents will, you know, film uh, a music festival and they upload it to YouTube for their family to see. So be thinking about these different places and, and, and again, step into someone else's shoes, your community member, an incoming student, and go to the social networks with that in mind, that frame. What do you see? What do you notice? How inclusive is this school? Back to your point, Trisha, about how do we use social networks to become inclusive? I just be thinking through that lens of as we look at our social media feeds for schools, how do we gain insight into how education is shifting and what education looks like in my school? And I think, Jeff, you know, sometimes for anybody who's listening and what we're talking about really feels unfamiliar it's always useful to have mentor text, right? And that's why I couldn't be happier that the three people, it's not a surprise to me that these three individuals were recommended, but in the show notes, we will link to their school's social channels. If you are wondering what a highly sophisticated social strategy looks like for schools where you do have inclusion, where it's not, the school is not telling the story of just one thing. It's not just about football. It's not just about this, where you have, clear student engagement with this. Um, Again, I I think all three schools that we are so lucky to hear from today are wonderful mentor texts. They're really setting that bar quite high. This is going to be a great episode. And before we get to today's episode, we have a show sponsor. Trisha, do you want to tell us a little bit more about today's show sponsor? Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Today, our sponsor comes from Carney Sandoz Women's Institute, which is a professional and personal development event for women and their allies in the education community. This is held virtually November 1st through 4th. The Institute connects attendees to thought leaders and experts for four days of engaging content 
curated specifically for women in education. The Institute follows an inclusive definition of women. You can visit carnysando.com forward slash institute for details and head over to our show notes to find that link and ways to connect with Carney Sandoz. All right. Thanks for that. This is an amazing episode listening to educators and communication directors that are working in schools today around their social media campaigns, all about telling the story of your school. And with that, on with the show. Hi, I'm Kyle Bushlin, Head of Communications and Marketing at Nanjing International School. I'm a communications and marketing professional with over 15 years of international experience in these fields. All of it in China, where I've lived for 24 years, starting all the way back in high school. I've worked in specialist and leadership roles in healthcare, agency PR, and for the past seven years, international schools. Before Nanjing International School, I was at Western Academy of Beijing, where I managed an award-winning transformation of their digital marketing communications. Social media has always been a part of my work, so I have professional experience in it dating back to 2006 or 2007. Social networks have an essential role in building community. Speaking on international schools in China specifically, you've got fantastically diverse and multilingual communities within communities. Each has its platform preference. To stay connected, you need to reach and engage with them where they are. In China, the community grows naturally on WeChat, which is the must-have super app over here. It does everything from payment to ride-hailing and community chat groups are a big part of that. Schools themselves maintain a public account that broadcasts content. Because of COVID, social media that might have lost its luster a bit before, like Facebook, is even more important now than ever due to travel restrictions. It's basically how people stay connected with friends and family back home, or even here locally, and so schools need to be there as well as to be that kind of glue, especially when there are periods of online learning or parents can't come on campus. You want to maintain that sense of community and keep the feeling of belonging going. That means frequent updates and quality content. An example of this would be at the end of last school year, where parents couldn't attend our grade 12 IBDP art exhibition or the PYP exhibition, two capstone events where in the past parents in the community always came. We do a lot of professional video here and we were able to make two documentary style videos for social media. They not only helped our community feel like they were here, but also showcased the events and student learning to a wider audience in a fantastic way. NIS is an inclusive learning community with a big emphasis on diversity and a sense of belonging. As I mentioned, professional video storytelling is a big part of our social media strategy. However, if you've got dialogue in the video without subtitles, you run the risk of excluding members of the community who are non-native English speakers or who don't have a strong grasp of the language. In this way, I've found that short one-minute music videos, which are optimal for social media attention digest anyway, um, you know, no dialogue, only a theme and story or event recap, are extremely successful and engaging. We start with an idea or an event, and then our talented staff videographer, who also works in IT, comes and takes video. We're fortunate that he has an eye for story. Afterwards, I take the raw footage and edit into something that'll hopefully be special. Professional photos back the video up for thumbnails and accompanying pictures for a short written article that gets further customized for each platform. Yeah, a lot of work goes into this. We get the music from a major royalty-free provider, and we're good to go. 
The very first of these videos for NIS was a swimming video that absolutely blew people's minds, from students to faculty to parents. Swimming is huge at NIS, and for them to see it portrayed in a modern, professional way with incredible music, it kind of captured people's imaginations. The video was even used in a film class here where students dissected it and storyboarded it and presented it during an assembly. I mean, needless to say, it was a top performer on social media beyond our NIS community as well. I've gone on to make a ton of these videos, and they, they've really become a key part of attracting prospective parents, students, and even faculty. The use of social media for marketing has to be strategic. Schools are cyclical, and you have a good idea of what events will happen each year and how they can go. So advanced planning is possible, but you also need to be flexible to accommodate moments that aren't foreseen. You need to post frequently, but meaningfully, and with consistent quality throughout. Tell the story of your school. When I gave a workshop during one of Final Sight's Marketing Day conferences, I talked about the three-part model for social media, and I think that's really something fundamental that social media marketers need to look at as part of their strategy. It goes content, behavior, and measurement. Content is made to influence a behavior. Follow the brand, uphold the brand, drive admissions, etc. Behavior is then measured using analytics, and measurement goes into content, either informing tweaks or changes to better influence behavior or to create all new campaigns. I launched my career in education with an early childhood degree from Wheelock College in Boston University. I began my professional career at admi in admissions at Singapore American School in 2008. Ten years later, I moved to New Delhi to serve as the Director of Admissions at the American Embassy School, AES. During the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, it was clear to me that we needed to amplify our AES online presence. All the different social media pathways became the hallways of our school, both literally and figuratively. Prospective new and long-term parents and students needed to feel the school and be in the space to experience the learning and to engage with each other. Before coming to the AES campus or during breaks, many of our community members were located at quite a distance, and so we have always strived to make our online presence help people feel as though they are here. In our efforts to continue to build an even more engaging, more authentic virtual environment, we've started collaborating with the Schoolhouse Agency in Singapore to support us. I think social media builds community by engaging students, teachers, and parents in the life of the school, even when classes are not in session and even when they may be geographically far apart. I think social media is best when it feels real, sharing live scenes and presenting opportunities for authentic and sometimes spontaneous exchanges like those that might happen between two students or a teacher and a student, parent and a teacher when encountering each other in the hallway. Likewise, the use of a wide variety of social media platforms builds community by acknowledging the huge variety of stakeholders we have in our community, whether current or former students, staff, or parents. While many tend to think that schools are just about kids learning, we believe that we are all in this together and that we all have much to learn from each other. Different types of social media speak to different groups of people, and we want to make sure we are engaging everyone. So we use all types, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. Whether it's the younger readers of Instagram, 
or our oldest alumni readers of Facebook, our teachers posting an academic finding on Twitter, or our extended community members watching their grandchildren dance or playing music on YouTube, we hope to offer many intersections of engagement through our various social media platforms. I like the hallways analogy because there are many of them within any school, representing the many directions, representing how the layers of it also gives us multiple opportunities to improve our learning methods in meaningful ways. Our social media tells stories about who we are and what we want to be as a school. AES has always been known for its community. When parents could no longer come to campus, we wanted to capture the magical moments, walking through the hallways, taking videos, observations, and stories from teachers and peer interactions. During the beginning of the pandemic and our lockdown, we faced the challenge of creating a new family orientation welcome video. Fortunately, some of our faculty live on campus and were game to really help us tackle the task. I would say that one of our most meaningful social media posts in my time here is the blooper byproduct of our earnest efforts to create a more serious welcome video. Perhaps it was the isolation and stress we had been feeling that was playfully released or just the desire to laugh. Nevertheless, when the schoolhouse agency team saw these glimpses of laughter, they encouraged us to share the compilation of bloopers with the larger community. It was human, heartwarming, just what everyone needed in the midst of a very strange time. It's under Feature Friday. Look what we did this summer. Hashtag joyful learning. Hashtag learning is fun. I think my top recommendation for a school looking to rethink their use of social media would, to, would be to be authentic. Jump in. Don't be afraid to show the human side of school life. To do that, I think staff need to create good structures and frameworks and then start collecting material by utilizing a good network of teachers, sometimes students, and in order to collect that material. This helps ensure that there's a good flow from idea to design to writing to editing before the posting. My final thought on this is to not confuse authenticity with a lack of branded professionalism. All posts need to be polished with high-quality templates, writing, and images. My second recommendation would be to know your various audiences and then be strategic about how to reach them. A variety of social media platforms are able to thrive because they appeal and reach different groups of people. My name is Chris Clark. I am the Marketing and Communications Coordinator at the International Community School Addis Ababa, or ICS Addis, located in Ethiopia. I've been working in multimedia storytelling and production for my entire career. After a few years working in international news media as a reporter, producer, and news broadcaster, I joined a school in Beijing that was aiming to enhance its student-led live broadcasting station. After 12 years in Beijing and nine at the Western Academy of Beijing, which is an international school there, I moved to Addis just two months ago to continue the incredible work that the communications and marketing department is doing here at ICS and enhance our strategic initiatives. I believe the role of social media in building community is providing a platform for people to connect through uh, the sharing of stories of our collective experiences. At ICS, we use social media to share learning experiences and other happenings on campus, which for schools has been especially essential when campus access was restricted during COVID. 
We love to spotlight student and faculty achievements. We often celebrate our parent and community activities and our diversity by showcasing photos and videos on different platforms. And sometimes we use nostalgia to keep our alumni engaged by doing simple things like taking pictures of the gorgeous flowers or sort of special places on campus, or sometimes even the tortoises that roam around. As a newcomer to ICS Addis, I don't have a ton of history to look back on when it comes to finding our most meaningful posts, but I tend to use my status as a newcomer to my advantage. I think I have a fresh perspective and often find myself in awe of some of the first things a newcomer like me might notice when they first arrive at the school. A great example of this are the giant tortoises that live on our campus and are free to just roam around. As I was out for a jog around the track one day a couple weeks back, I used my phone to snap a photo of one of the tortoises walking around the track with me, which just happened to be perfectly aligned inside one of the running lanes. Because it was also the start of our track and field season for our student athletes, I posted the photo with a caption on Instagram stating that our newest recruits to the track and field team had been a bit slow arriving for tryouts, but were giving it their best shot. I knew those tortoises were quite famous and well-loved by everyone who spent any amount of time at ICS. And the nostalgic element of that post, coupled with a quirky caption, was, at the time, a recipe to create our most engaging social media posts of the school year. For a school looking to rethink their use of social media, one thing I would recommend is not to underestimate the value of authenticity. While we all love and respect a beautifully crafted or highly produced photo or video, an audience can sometimes see through something that's a little bit overly produced. To show authenticity and vulnerability creates a connection with an audience, especially when we're sharing student-created work. I think this is a great example of the tortoise story I just told because that wasn't the best high-quality photo, but people were able to connect with something that they remembered, and it really made uh, for an engaging post on our social media platforms.